Listening to a premium preview episode of FluxPod. This is a segment from a Patreon exclusive episode. You can get all the Patreon exclusive episodes by hitting up patreon.com slash fluxblog. $5 a month gets you four to five episodes a month, uh, in, in, in uh, addition to the free ones that come out on Wednesdays. Uh, and this is a bit of uh, an experiment episode where I had uh, some Q&A questions submitted and I just kind of went off the dome trying to, you know, do my best to do kind of a Matt Chrisman kind of extemporaneous monologue. Uh, this bit right here is uh, the first question I answer, which is about electronica. Here we go. so uh, the first one is from ben and the question is why did electronica turf out and not retain its popularity so electronica what ben is really talking about here is this period in the late 90s when the record industry was like, okay, we've got this new thing. You know, it's not like a new thing, but it's like a new thing. It's electronica. And we're going to give it to the people. It's a hot new thing. Everyone's going to get it's a, it's a It's a manufactured trend. It's a thing that was uh, kind of artificially placed into the market. Uh, the music it was not like prefab. This is like the, you know, we're talking about the prodigy who'd been around for a little while at that point. Chemical Brothers. Uh, their second album, uh, you know, then like things like Underworld, like Tricky got in on that, uh, Moby, but kind of before Moby was really big, um, you know, things like that. These are things that were bubbling up and the industry kind of needed a way to sell it. And I think the idea was to sell it as the next step for alternative culture because alt music was kind of hitting... I, I think people could tell that there was a, a there's something was being a course was being run by the time it was like 96 or so. So the, the problem is that the music did okay in the market, you know, the, the because the, you know, there's still a time where you know these uh, labels have some sway with MTV MTV played, you know, some of these songs, enough to have them be like legitimate hits. So a good example would be like Firestarter by Podigy. Uh, Block Rock and Beats and Setting Sun by Chemical Brothers, you know. You know. These were like legitimate hits at the time. And then I think there's some things that are maybe to a lesser extent, like Born Slippy Nux by Underworld or uh, Daft Punk was kind of uh, 
when the, the stuff from uh, like homework, that stuff like defunct was played at MTV, but more like kind of an after hours thing. But you know, enough for it to be uh, a thing. You know, they got made a dent in the culture. So these things did well on their own terms, especially given that uh, it was kind of a a big swing in some ways, asking the uh, very rock centric alternative rock audience to uh, dive in on that because it wasn't necessarily sold to dance audiences as much. And I think that there was probably uh, some logic to that. I think the, the dance music that was really popular at the time would be like, uh, like crystal water is a hundred percent pure love, like something like that. Like even Ace of Base was still like pretty huge around like the mid nineties. So, you know, that music isn't really for them. It is. I think that was, so it was like, okay, let's bring it to these Lollapalooza lunkheads and get it going. So I think, so the stuff did well in the market, but not like so well that it was like, oh my God, the record industry did Nirvana over, over just another time over. It's completely revolutionized. And Nirvana obviously is kind of a fluke, uh, the way that all panned out. It's also just like the culmination of many years of subcultural stuff. And like, uh, you know, like real constituencies for this sort of music that were suddenly enough to cross over. So the problem with it being if turfing out and not retaining its popularity, I don't think that really actually happened. I think what happened is that very gradually in uh, the United States, the sort of uh, Euro dance culture that was, uh, you know, that's out in Europe and, you know, other parts of the world actually took root in America. And gradually built to a point where, you know, DJs and electronic dance music became like a really huge thing. And obviously that was a very, very big part of the past. Yeah, it was about 15 years of pop music is EDMs is being one of the big pillars now. And, uh, you know, it's a, you know, just a huge part of the festival industry, uh, at least up to the point that there was a festival industry and I, you know, but you know, these things will come back and won't some way, shape or form. It's kind of almost inevitable. I think, um, but yeah, I, I think that it was just a thing where like the, the grassroots elements were not there. You know, I was around like, I guess 16 or 17 when this stuff was being heavily marketed. And, you know, I wasn't really like going to a lot of shows as a teen. I went to summit by that point, but um, but you're asking a lot of people to completely change the rituals of what they think a live show is. And you know, that's kind of rough. That that really kind of has to be changed uh, gradually and organically and not like in this kind of like a, trying to sell you something or upsell you or whatever, something that's uh, not quite the thing you wanted. I think the reason EDM works is because people don't feel like they're going to something and getting a different thing. Like people know exactly what they get and what they want from that. And the audience for EDM is, uh, very sincere and very, uh, connected to, 
like the rituals of of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a dance show, an electronic dance show, in the way that people in the 90s and, and beyond, you know, they have the rituals of a rock show. Thank you, Shane Odyssey.